All righty then. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 again. Matthew chapter 5. We've been here. This makes number 4, 5, 6, 6 week in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, I, I told Chris before I came up here that it just struck me the irony of the story that I'm about to tell uh, as, as they're getting ready to go. But here's my intro, intro story. I had somebody come up to me last week and said, I don't care what the rest of your sermon is. I just like to hear your first story. I'm like, thank you. I, I think that's a compliment, but I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> um, so in 2014, uh, Lisa and I were the, the youth pastors here at the church, and we had just taken the, the group to, on, a, on a mission trip. It was the last trip that, that we took them on. And we were flying back. And uh, we were on the, the plane. And I'm just sitting there thanking the Lord for the, for the last 12 days. We, we'd had a wonderful time ministering up in the mountains of, of Jamaica. And the, this youth group, I mean, they had really pressed into the things of the Lord And they'd suffered for Jesus, too, because I am fully convinced that until you go somewhere and suffer for Jesus, you don't realize how blessed you are. Here in the United States, they had taken cold showers. Uh, I had to shave in the cold. We had to to sleep every night. And this is no lie. There was a voodoo village just on the other side of this YWAM compound that we were staying in. And every night, they would start into this. And the kids, you know, it wasn't long before, Pastor Chris, do you hear that? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But we're flying back and just thanking the Lord for for everything that he had done. And the Lord was very clear to me. He said, your time as the youth pastor at New Covenant Church is coming to an end. Like, okay, all right, what what does that mean, Lord? I mean, I knew it wasn't an immediate thing because I wouldn't have left the group without, you know, uh, making sure there was somebody there to take the group. And there was nobody at the moment. But uh, over the next several months, uh, several opportunities uh, presented themselves uh, to me. And uh, I was going to tell you the whole story, but since we took so long praying, I'm going to go ahead and, and cut the story down just a little bit. There was, it almost went, okay, this first one, it's like, man, I'm not so sure about that. The second one, I was really like kind of considering. Um, I had gone to Pastor Sam and I said, what do you think about starting New Covenant South? Maybe I'll go to Bullard or Jacksonville and we'll start New Covenant South. And... Um, I don't know that he said okay, but I took it as an okay, and I started running with some things because that's kind of what I do. And I uh, actually went, had a friend of mine say, hey, I know somebody in Jacksonville that, that uh, owns a building. be a great place to start a church. So I went down there, and I met this guy, met with him, had dinner with him, and uh, he asked me, well, what is it that you're really wanting to do? And then I just started pouring stuff out of, out of my heart to him, and the more I talked, the more excited he got. Let me stop and just say, right here, the man looked at me and said, you can use my building for free as long as you want to. Everything that glitters is not gold. You hear me? Because I was like, well, I could step into this. I could step into this. I've got a free building. That must be God, right? 
God starts pumping the brakes. Then the, then, then the big one came along. Somehow, and it may have even been Pastor Sam that, that told me, there was a church in Longview that was looking for a new lead pastor. And I got the website. They had, they had a place where you could go on and just fill out some information, let them know who you were and that you were interested. So I went and I filled it out. And wasn't really thinking anything else about it until about a month or six weeks later, I got a response. And they said, would you please give us some more information? Will you uh, send us a, a CD? This is how old we were. A CD uh, of you preaching. Like, okay, sure. So I gave them the information, sent off the CD for them. And uh, about three weeks later, I got another response. It said that, hey, we would like to do a phone interview with you, uh, with our, our, our committee that's, that's looking for the new pastor. Like, okay. Got on the phone with these guys, talked to them for about 30 minutes, and that's when it hit me. That's when I decided, yeah, this, this, this is the one. This is the one. This is what God is calling me to do. Because through those months, we had identified the, the next youth pastors that were going to come in. It was time for me to let go. I had to go somewhere, right? And it's like, this is the one. This is the one. This is it. I want this. I deserve this. I have been faithful doing everything that the church has asked me to do, been faithful, uh, supporting Pastor Sam. I deserve this. And I started telling some people, we're moving to Longview. I'm going to take, if they offer me this church, I'm, I'm gone. And it's not that I wanted to get away from New Covenant churches, but the thing is I deserve this. About that same time, a friend of mine from, from college who I wouldn't have been surprised if he wasn't even in ministry at all. Hadn't talked to him in over 20 years. I get a call from him and he said, yeah, we're just getting ready to celebrate our church's 20th anniversary. This church that I started and I'm going like, he's been pastoring for 20 years? Him? I'm 45 years old and I'm still a youth pastor. What's going on here? Something's wrong here. Lord, I deserve this more now. I deserve this more. I deserve this, Lord. They sent me another email, said they want to set up a time. Somebody's going to call you. They're going to set up a time for you to come over and preach at the church. We want you to meet the board. We want you to meet the people. And I'm going, God is in this. But the Holy Spirit kept saying, <laughs> he's not in this. Yeah, I'm pointing to my wife. That's right. <laughs> she kept saying, oh, I don't, I, I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. And I was like, woman, you better get in line. You better not mess this up for me. I'm telling you what. I don't want to hear any of this God stuff that you come up with. I'm going to pastor. <laughs> then God stopped me. <laughs> Why do you need this? God, I deserve it. Why do you deserve it? What, what's inside of you that makes you feel like you need something to complete you? What's your motivation in this whole thing? 
And I had to stop and say, Lord, my motivations are not lining up with your motivations. So when the guy did call me to, to set up that time, I just had to tell him, I pass. I pass. I didn't know what I was going to do. Found out he had plans for me that I didn't know about. And I will tell you that the three years I spent as his executive pastor, I learned more in those three years than I had in all the other years of ministry. But the whole thing is, my motives were not right. So, we're continuing on in our series called Illuminate, Eight Times That Jesus Says You're Blessed. And today is, we're blessed when my motives are right. I'm blessed when my motives are right. We've been in, uh, we've been in Matthew chapter 5. And we've been looking at the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, the word Beatitude being just an old English word for the word blessing. And we're seeing these times that Jesus says that we're blessed. And um, you can throw the slide up there now if you would like to. I'm going to go through this just real quickly. I know I review each week. I'm a little bit behind, so I'm going to go a little bit more quickly than we normally do. But... We're looking at the Beatitudes. We're not going to get it? Okay, that's fine. Uh, maybe I don't need to read. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> we started with poor in spirit. And that is us recognizing our inability so we can connect with God's ability. Then blessed are the mourners. That's God's dealing with us in our emotional realm. And that's remorse over the, the, the sin that has been in our life. Then the meek. That is really speaking to our will in a place of repentance. And those three things move us up to having a hunger and thirst for God. And in that place, God fills us with righteousness. Now he's worked through us. I mean, worked in us. Now he's going to work through us as we go down. Last week, we talked about being merciful. Mercy being a covenant word. So mercy is, things, is something that we show to people who are also inside the covenant to the body of Christ. Now, this morning, we are looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and it says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. So, the first question is, what is purity? You know, in our Western thinking, you know, purity is something that is pristine. It is something that is untouched. Well, we see over and over and over again in, in biblical thought that there could be something that had been impure that God makes pure. God's purity involves forgiveness and innocence from past impurity. Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, this is Paul writing this 2,000 years ago, and he's saying that the generation then was, was twisted and it was crooked. I know we think that, oh, man, the whole world's just falling apart now. It's always been falling apart. There's always been a twisted and crooked generation, all right? So the generation that we live in, God is not surprised by. It is not more crooked or more twisted than generations have gone by. It's just what we live in. 
But he said, even in that crooked and twisted generation that we live as blameless and innocent children of God. In other words, live a life of purity. And here's three real world examples of purity. This is straight from dictionary.com. So this, this, this is not some kind of high level uh, revelation here. I went to the, the dictionary and I got this, okay? So purity, three examples of purity, free from contamination, free from contamination, as in pure water, pure water. Anybody got filters at their house to make sure the water that they're drinking is pure? Because even though it looks clean, that stuff that comes out of your faucet may look clean, but there's no telling what's actually in it. So we filter it. It was not pure, but we make it pure before we actually drink it, right? How about free from foreign elements? Free from foreign elements, as in pure gold, or pure silver. How do they get pure gold or pure silver? Well, the Bible even talks about this. God sits as a refiner. Got a big pot of, of gold, and guess what? There's junk in the gold. God turns up the heat. See, we like to run away from everything. Oh, the enemy's after me. The enemy's after me. The devil's trying to get me. The devil's trying to get me. It may have been God that's turning up a little heat on you. Now, God does not use sickness and disease and things of the destruction of this world. That's not what I'm saying. But there are times when there are attitudes inside of us. Our motivations are not right, and God will just turn the heat up some. And what happens when he turns the heat up? All the impurities bubble to the top, Right? They scrape off the impurities. And guess what happens? They usually do it again. Do it again. And then they do it again every time to scrape off those impurities. And you've probably heard this. How does the refiner know when it's finally pure? When he can see his reflection in what he's refining. God's going to turn the heat up on us at times until he can see his reflection in us. Because that's who we've been called to be, like him. And then the last one is free from mixture. Free from mixture, as in like a purebred dog. So all your weird labradoodle type of things, they're not pure. (laughs) You're making that up. (laughs) pure we need the pure word of God not something mixed with something else see a lot of times we get things mixed with emotion or mixed with opinion but we need the pure word of God All right, so that's just three from the real word. What about this Greek word here? This Greek word, pure. Well, the Greek pure can be used four different ways in Greek. I'm trying to hurry. I need to slow down. Sorry. Here's the four ways it can be used. Physically clean. In other words, was dirty but is now pure. Clean as to be fit for God's service. In other words, was unusable but is now usable. 
innocence of guilt. Was guilty, but now innocent. And the way that Jesus is using it right here is purity of heart. Purity of heart. So what is a pure heart? If Jesus is talking about we need to have pure hearts, what does it really mean to have a pure heart? The Greek word here is cardia. Cardia. Just like cardio. Okay? Cardia. Cardio. What is that talking about? It talks about heart, right? The word that Jesus is using literally means that thing beating and pumping in here. Okay? But we know he wasn't talking about our physical heart, was he? He wasn't telling you you need to get rid of cholesterol in your body and things like that and purify your heart. What was Jesus talking about? Well, the Strong's Concordance of the Bible says that the word heart, the Greek word heart, also speaks to the thoughts and feelings of a person. Vine's Expository Dictionary of the Bible says that that word heart speaks to a man's entire mental and moral activity, both the rational and the emotional elements. And then the blue letter Bible outline of biblical usage says this word is the soul or the mind as it is the seat of thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. So purity of heart is a life that has hungered and thirsted for God and been filled with righteousness to the degree that it affects our thoughts and our actions. That is purity of heart. In other words, it's holiness. Holiness. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't always liked the word holiness. Because before I was a Christian, the only thing I knew about holiness was that girl that played on the softball team that had to wear a skirt and couldn't play in shorts like the rest of the girls because she went to the holiness church. And then even after I became a Christian... Just the word holiness, it just seemed like it was something old and it had wrong connotations. So we didn't even really talk about it. But for the last six months, the Lord has just really been talking to me about holiness. Holiness. The word holiness in Greek is just a pure and morally blameless life. 1 Peter 1.5 says, But he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all of your conduct. Be holy in all of your conduct. So what is God wanting us to, to really do? And we'll talk about some, some steps here in just a minute. But I want to throw the slide back up here just a minute. Can we do that? Yeah, there we go. All right. So we talked about last week. That mercy being a, a covenant word, that mercy was for other Christians. That's not the way that we respond to people outside of the covenant. That's step seven, peacemakers. That's what we're going to talk about next week, being a peacemaker. And what's right in the middle? Pure in heart. Pure in heart. So really what the Lord is saying is that we become a bridge that the purity of heart, what holiness is really for, 
is so I can bridge over here and I can give mercy to those who are in the kingdom that need mercy. But I can also be a peacemaker to those who are outside of the kingdom because what they need in their life is peace. I know y'all can say amen. I heard you saying it while Roger was up here. Okay? Thank you. I still need this. I deserve for you to say amen. <laughs> All right. So God even spoke about his, his children, the children of Israel, when there was a lack of holiness. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 29, it says, Even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy, and deprive foreigners of justice. This is God speaking. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I looked for somebody who could rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap of the wall. And here is one of the worst things that God has ever said about his people. I found no one. I found no one. Why did he find no one? Because there was nobody pursuing holiness anymore. It's what I can get. What will make me happy? If, if, if I fool this guy over here and I get a little extra money out of him, that's, hey, blessings on me. He said, I'm looking for someone who has a heart after me to such a degree that they're going to stand in that gap, that they're going to treat a fellow believers with mercy. But I'm also going to reach out to those that don't know God, and I'm going to bring peace into their life. We don't get to take advantage on either side. Well, these people should know better. And these people, they're not even Christians, so I can treat them any way I want to. Wrong. So, you know, we talk about revival and things like that a lot. What do we mean when we say revival? Oh, well, we want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. We want to see people healed. And yes, we do. But what we really need a revival of is holiness. A revival of just a hunger and a pursuit after God. And a willingness to be that bridge. So how do we purify our hearts? James 4, 7. James 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Now, not all of that sounds like fun, does it? It doesn't. But he just gave us a step-by-step way to see our hearts purified. Submit yourself to God. Obedience. 
I don't get to choose what I want to do all the time. There are times when God says, do this. And I either do this or I'm disobedient to God. Submit yourselves to God. The second is resist the devil. Stop playing with sin. Stop playing with sin. God doesn't, you know, God understands. God's okay. You know, God does understand because he knows that that we're human beings. You know, there's a psalm that says that he knows that we're butt dust. Butt dust. He knows we're butt dust. That's deep theological revelation right there. That's what you came for, right? He understands who we are, but that is not an excuse. Even Paul said, don't use your freedom as an excuse to sin. Resist the devil. I just couldn't help it. Resist the devil. I just don't know how to get free. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. Guess what? You've got to put effort in it. Notice it says, you draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Here's the truth. When you start drawing near to God, you're going to find out he was there the whole time. But it takes effort on your part. Well, if God just wants to do something in my life, he'll just do it. Said no one that God ever did anything in their life. Stop being double-minded. Your heart cannot be divided between God and the world. Your heart cannot be divided between God and the world. If you've got your, your, your Sunday Christianity and it ends on Monday morning because you're going to work, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Remember, we're to be lights. Be wretched and mourn. Godly sorrow for your sin. We talked about that. That was the second step. Not being sorry because I got caught in something, but actually being sorry because I know that this damages my relationship with the Lord. And then humble yourself before the Lord. Recognize who's in charge. So, We have to work for holiness. It takes effort. But as Hebrews 12, 14 says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So what is the result of a purified heart? Matthew 5, 8, the whole scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The blessing is seeing God. But without holiness, you will not see God. You will not see God working on your behalf. You will not recognize the way that God is leading you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They will see, recognize, and live in obedience to God and his plan. Matthew 6. Now, this is still part of the Sermon on the Mount. 
The Beatitudes were the beginnings of the Sermon on the Mount. I've heard preachers say that the, the Beatitudes, that's, that's the Christian's declaration of independence. And I've also heard other preachers say that the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus taught everything that he was going to teach, the Sermon on the Mount, that every other time that, that he spoke and he taught, there were already elements of it inside the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has just said... Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And this just a few minutes later, he says in Matthew 6, your eye, what do you do with your eye? See, right? Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have, because guess what? We think we have light sometimes. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So is this a message so I can beat on you? I hope not. That's, that's, that is not even what I'm coming at. I'm saying the most awesome thing that we can ever have is a pursuit of God, a pure heart, because I want to see him. I want to see him moving. I want to recognize when he's doing something. But remember, there were those that God spoke. He's talking about Jesus, and he said, this is my beloved son. And they go, did it thunder? How often are we standing around going, did it thunder? When God's speaking. Don't worry, only two more weeks of this and we'll be out of it. <laughs> the price of a healthy eye is a pure heart. And the reward of holiness is eyes that see God. I'll end with this scripture right here. Psalms 24, verse 3. says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false. And does not swear deceitfully. He will receive Blessing. What are we talking about here? Blessed are the pure in heart. My goodness, could the Bible actually say the same thing in more than one place? He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Look, there was, there was a time when I was motivated by what I thought I deserved what I thought I had earned, what I thought God owed me. My motives were wrong. My motives were wrong. God, you need to let everybody see how awesome I am. My motives were wrong. 
But when we start to press in, this is where God's turning up that heat. This is where God's being that refiner because he wants our motives right. Because when my motive is right, my heart is open and pure before him and he can use me in ways that I never thought that he could. And when he does, I'm still in awe of the fact that he does it instead of thinking, man, I'm a hot shot, aren't I? You hearing what I'm saying? Lisa and I hadn't been in ministry too long. I mean, maybe a year. And we were preaching at this, this, this little Pentecostal full gospel type of church. And I gave the altar call. And this lady came down. And I go to pray over her. She fell over. And I was going like, woohoo! Look at this. Well, the next person came down, didn't fall over. I had them bent all the way backwards. I was like, it didn't have anything to do with me. I've seen people healed instantly. And instead of thinking, oh, look what kind of anointing I carry, I'm still in awe of the fact that God could even use me. I sit across from people, and we talk about the things of the Lord, and we talk about places of freedom for them, and they grab hold of it, and their life changes. And instead of thinking, man, I've got this counseling thing down, I'm still in awe of the fact that God can use a big dope like me to speak anything to anybody. Because he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. My, vote, my motivation now is only to do what I see my father doing. So what do I want you to know this morning? God's desire is that we have a pure heart. So we will begin to be holy as he is holy. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel challenged. If you're sitting in here this morning and, and, and you're feeling condemned, that is not God. You hear me? That is not God. Remember what we talked about purity? In the biblical sense, purity comes when we recognize something has been impure. And then God purifies it. Don't hear any condemnation. Don't listen to those lies. Don't listen to something that would say, well, you could never be holy. You could never do something for God. You could never, you could never, you could never. That is a lie. I want you to feel challenged. And I just want you to ask the question, are you living your life in such a way that you're seeing God. Are you seeing God? And let, let, let me be clear. I'm not talking about seeing the perfect manifestation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords standing right in front of you. I'm talking about when you look into a situation, are you seeing God? I don't discount that somebody may have had a, a, a spiritual experience and, and you've seen Jesus. 
that's not what we're talking about on, on this daily basis. Are you seeing God? Do you see God in you? Do you see God in your life? Do you see God in your conversations? Do you see God in your kids? In your family? In the way that you treat your, your spouse? Are you seeing God? And what do I want you to do? Get honest. Get honest. I have prayed this prayer more than once in my life. Lord, search me and try me. See if there be any wickedness in me. See, is there anything in me, Lord, that is not bringing you glory, does, that you don't approve of? Is there anything in me, Lord? And I used to pray that prayer out of ignorance. I thought it was real holy to pray that prayer. Oh, Lord, search me and try me. And the thing is, he will do it. So now I pray that prayer sometimes going, okay, Lord. Search me and try me. Because I know what's about to come. You're about to show me something I didn't know was there and I probably don't want to deal with. But that's part of getting honest with God. Get honest with God. Are there things in your life that are keeping you from a pure heart? Does God love you just the way you are? Absolutely. Absolutely. But his love goes beyond just acceptance of the way that you are. God accepts, God love goes beyond and sees you as he created you to be. And that's the goal. Being who God created us to be. Being those lights. Being that bridge. Will you stand with me? I really do like the way you play the bass, Kern. That's... I'm going to ask you just, let's get along with God for just a minute. The easiest way to do that is just close your eyes. You want to bow your head? You know, bow your head. This is not a religious moment. This is not, I'm not asking you to, to step through some, some, some religious exercise here or jump through some hoops for me. Because as, as I'm asking you to do it, I'm doing it myself. And let's just honestly ask the Lord. Lord, what in my life is keeping me from stepping further into that place of a pure heart that you have for me? Lord, I'm going to ask, search me, try me, show me right now anything in my life that doesn't bring you pleasure.
Thank you, Lord. As you're beginning to, to see it or recognize it, or you may have known it before I even started praying, if your desire is to take that step, it's an act of your will. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Lord, we choose to draw near to you this morning. Once again, with just as our eyes are closed, if, if you're truly saying, Lord, there is something that I want out of my life. There is something that I want gone. There's something that I know is keeping me from that place of purity that you have for me. Raise your hand for God to see, not for me to see. And this is just an acknowledgement. Lord, you see the hands. You see the hands. And Lord, we say, because my hand is raised as well. Lord, we say, we desire to draw close to you. So Lord, give us the courage. Give us the ability do what you need to do, Lord, to remove this from my life, remove this attitude, remove wrong motivations, wrong relationships, whatever it might be, Lord. You know, remove it so I can draw closer to you, so I can be that person of purity, so I can truly be that bridge between believers and unbelievers. What you've called us to be as Christians Lord, do that. Do that. And just out of your own mouth say, Lord, take it. Lord, I give it. Purify me. Purify me. In Jesus' name, amen.